As I mentioned last Sunday, I'm just taking a brief break from the book of Zechariah for a few weeks. During the holidays, the Lord really laid this message on my heart, how important it is that his people call on the name of the Lord. And so if we do nothing else, may we make 2022 a year that we called on the name of the Lord like no other year in our life. Let me know any one of us can succeed at this. It doesn't take any special talent or gift. It just takes the desire and the commitment that we are going to call on the name of the Lord. May it be our highest goal and our greatest resolution. And so what does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? We spoke about that last week. The word call in the Hebrew is kara. And it means to declare, to summon, to invite, to read, to be called, to be invoked, or to be named, according to the complete word study dictionary. So to call on the name of the Lord then means to declare his name, to summon his name. To invite his name, to read his name, to be called his name, to invoke his name, and to be named by his name. It is a practice of worship, proclamation, and prayer in the name of our Lord. Now, we are, as you know, struggling with grandchildren not being nearby. We had a whole year of them that we just took every moment we could to enjoy their presence and they're missionaries to Africa, and so they're back in Af- Africa and have been there a few weeks, and we were FaceTiming with my daughter, Jenea, in Africa, and she turned the phone to my grandson, Shiloh, and when he saw my face and heard my voice, he squealed, <laughs> and he came running to the phone calling my name, Abu, Abu, Abu. I'm telling you what. That melted my heart. There's nothing like that kind of love. And I want you to understand, when we call God's name, Abba, Father, he feels the same way. He is pleased when his children call on his name. When we call on the name of the Lord, things happen. And I believe there's an appointed time to call on the name of the Lord. We always are to pray, we're always to seek the Lord, but there are special seasons we've seen through biblical history and even church history where there were a special visitation of God where his people called on his name and God answered. And I believe that time is now for our church. I, was, I pastored in Ojai near Ventura for 17 years, and a bunch of us guys in the church, from we played in the flag football league. And one, one season, we won every game until the last game of the season. Now, we were all in our 30s and 40s trying to reclaim past glory, except we're wearing knee braces and ankle wraps and bandages, try, just trying to hold our parts together. And so we had won every game when we came to the last game of the season and the only other undefeated team was comprised of all teenagers from the varsity football team. 17, 18-year-olds were 30s and 40s, were twice their age, some of them. They were younger, far younger, faster and stronger than us. It was the young bucks versus the old geezers. It was an epic battle of the ages. We even played in the football stadium, local football stadium. Now, no one was in the stands, but we can pretend. It was our Super Bowl. Epic, 
epic. And there are other epic battles of the ages in the Bible. And here is another time in one of those battles where someone called on the name of the Lord. Look with me at 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. And then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And then all the people said, what you say is good. It was a difficult time in the nation of Israel at this time. The people were not serving God. They were led by a wicked king, Ahab, and an even greater wicked queen, Jezebel, which I named my last kidney stone. Because I figured nobody is going to have that name these days. I've never dedicated a baby girl named Jezebel. And so that reputation is, is known. And so here Israel was serving other gods, especially Baal and Asherah. And Ahab was trying to kill the prophet Elijah. He called him a troubler of Israel. Isn't that funny when you mess up and you blame someone else? That's exactly what King Ahab did. He wasn't serving God and he blamed all the, the famine and the lack of rain, the drought on the prophet Elijah instead of looking at his own situation and circumstances. And so Elijah is calling forth this great epic battle. And King Ahab summoned the people and the prophets of Baal to Mount Carmel. Now, I have actually stood on Mount Carmel. When I went to Israel, I have a picture to show you of Mount Carmel looking out to the valley of Armageddon. I actually saw that with my own eyes and imagined the epic battle of the end times of the ages. And this was the battle of that age, and it will be the location of the great battle in human history. Look with me at Revelation 16, 12, just to give you a context of what they, they were going through, what it looked like, and what it will be like at the end of time. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. And they came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs. Did you hear that? Demons will perform miraculous signs. And they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then he gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Now we've heard that name perhaps, but here is a little more information about that word Armageddon from the New Living Translation Study Bible. The name Armageddon or Harmageddon is probably derived from Har, Mountain Hill, plus Megiddo, which was one of the three cities fortified by Solomon along with Gezer in the south and Hazer in the north. The fortress of Megiddo stood on a hill in the largest passage through the Carmel Range, strategically guarding the Jezreel Valley. 
The city was situated on the Via Maris, the main highway between Egypt and Mesopotamia. Many armies used this route, and the site became known as a bloody battlefield. It was here, for instance, that Pharaoh Necho, on his way to fight the Assyrians, killed Josiah. Armageddon thus became a symbolic term epitomizing the final conflict between God and the forces of evil. How many know that day is coming? And so what should we do knowing that day is coming? My first point this morning is this. As the end draws near, we better be calling on the name of the Lord. The Bible stresses that as we see the end approaching, we need to press into God. We need to get more serious about the Lord. We need to seek his face like we never have before. As the end draws near, may he find us calling on the, his name when he returns. I believe these are the last days. And more and more it seems evident to me with things that are happening in our world. And so we need to be calling on the name of the Lord. And so Elijah challenged the people. He said, you, you that are here, he challenged them because they needed to choose between worshiping God or worshiping Baal. See, the problem with Israel is they were trying to worship both. They didn't want to totally let go of God, but they didn't totally want to let go of Baal either. And so this became the showdown of the ages, what God was real, what God was true, Baal or Yahweh. And so the Israelites were challenged by the prophet Elijah and he said, you're wavering back and forth. My second point this morning is this. When you are wavering, call on the name of the Lord. The NIV says, how long will you waver between two opinions? The Amplified Bible says, how long will you halt and limp between two opinions? And the message says, how long are you going to sit on the fence and New Living Translation, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? The word waver in Hebrew is pasach. And it means to pass over, like the Passover. It, mean, it can also mean to hop, to skip, to hesitate, to limp, or to dance, probably very poorly. And so again, the New Living Translation Study Bible says this about the word. The Hebrew word translated waver means to be lame or to limp. Elijah compared the people's hobbling between the worship of the Lord and of Baal to be a person who limps awkwardly from one foot to the other. Elijah may have also been referring to the ritual dance performed by Baal's prophets as they attempted to gain the storm god's attention. Now this is interesting. If Baal was supposed to be the storm god, he should have been able to answer by fire if he was true, if he re was real. And so Elijah says, how long are you going to dance around this issue? How long are you going to limp and hobble around? I've shared with you before, I've, got, I've had three knee surgeries on my left knee, one on my right knee. Uh, surgery on both shoulders. Like I said, all my parts are barely holding together. But I'm bone on bone on the left knee. And so I, I sometimes hobble. I try not to, <laughs> but I, it's just kind of a habit. And that's what these people were doing. They were hobbling around. They, they didn't want to take a stand. They didn't want to make a decision. 
It's interesting, that same word when, when Elijah said, how long are you going to dance around this? How long are you going to hobble? It's the same word for dance when the prophets of Baal danced in 1 Kings 18, 26. Look at this, New Living Translation. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. These are the prophets of Baal. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. They then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. And so when Elijah says, how long are you going to dance between two opinions? Then they tried to dance to get Baal to answer. It's more than ironic. They were wavering. The people were wavering. If we are honest, I think there are times when we all waver. We dance around the real issues. We hobble and halt and limp between two opinions. At season in our lives, perhaps we've had one foot in the world and one in the kingdom of God. Well, you know what? We can't do that anymore. It's a time, it's a season that we must worship God, the one true God, and no other gods of this age. How I many know we can't worship God in money? But the world's sure trying to. Jesus said it, you cannot worship God in mammon or money or material things. This world doesn't worship Baal, but this world does worship many other gods. Isn't it true? From fame to money to all sorts of things, hedonism. There are other gods today. And the reality is God will not share his glory with any other. We can't worship God and the gods of this age. We can't serve the Lord and be a slave of sin at the same time. In the NIV study Bible, it says, Elijah placed a clear choice before the people. He drew a sharp contrast between the worship of the Lord and that of Baal to eliminate the apostate idea that people could worship both deities. The hearts of the people were divided. And sometimes our hearts are divided as well. My third point is this. When your heart is divided, call on the name of the Lord. If we waver, we need to call on the name of the Lord. The Bible speaks multiple times about having a divided heart. Look with me at Psalms 86, verse 11. The psalmist says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. If our hearts are divided in any way, if we're struggling in our hearts, we need to call on the name of the Lord. And we need to ask him, teach us his ways, not our ways or the ways of the world, but to teach us his ways and to walk in his truth. It should be our prayer, God, give me an undivided heart. I don't want to worship any other gods. I want no other gods before you. Lord, reveal any idols in my life. We, we, we need to bring that before the Lord because we can't deny that at times our hearts are divided. And so that's a time to call out to the Lord and say, Lord, teach me your ways. 
And then we will fear his name. Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, prophesied during the captivity of Judah. And he speaks of Judah's return and the northern kingdom of Israel coming back from captivity. But I believe this is also a prophecy regarding a coming end time revival. I do believe before the Lord comes, there's going to be revival. There's going to be an outpouring of God's spirit, another visitation, another great awakening. And so look at what Ezekiel says about the return of Judah and Israel, but also the revival in the last days. Ezekiel 11, verse 17. Therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered. And I will give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Do we have a hard heart? Do we have a heart of stone? Is there any area of our heart that has grown hard, calloused? God will soften our hearts if we let him. Do we have a divided heart? Is there anything in our lives where we're trying to walk the line and sit on the fence? God will put a new spirit in us if we ask him. You know, there are times we're not so sure about our lives and what has happened. Sometimes we've stepped out in faith and it didn't work out, work out like we expected. Other times we felt like we were doing the wrong thing and it blew up in our face. And so sometimes that causes us to draw back and to step back a little bit and say, wait a minute. And can you imagine Elijah put it all on the line? What? He, if whatever God answers by fire, he is God. There are times we all feel uncertain. We live in uncertain times. And we may struggle with doubts. But the Lord has a remedy for our doubts. Look at James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. If we are uncertain, if we have doubts, if we're wavering, we need to be honest about it and come to the Lord. If we have a divided heart, we need to call on the name of the Lord and say, God, take this heart of stone and make it tender again. Lord, if I'm, if I'm divided, if my, my loyalties are divided, my priorities are not in the right place, God, help me. Perhaps we've been wounded and we've been hurt and we've got a broken heart. That too we need to bring to the Lord, our broken heart, and say, God, only you can heal this. Now, there are medicines that can heal the body, but how many of you know only God can heal a broken heart? And that's what we bring before the Lord, and we have to believe. And what's so interesting is that Elijah was willing to take this risk 
to put it all on the line? Are we willing to put it all on the line for God? Are we willing to step out again to do what he's called us to do? Now, it's important we do what he's called us to do and not what we've called ourselves to do. I can imagine if I were Elijah, Lord, I really hope you're going to answer. I really, I put it all on the line, God. I'm, I'm all, it's all on the line. There were, he was greatly outnumbered. There were 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah which was a fertility goddess versus the one prophet, Elijah. As a result, Elijah felt all alone in the battle. And so it's important for us that we draw near to the Lord at this time. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I want to finish this message next week. I don't want to rush it. There's more that I want to share. But I feel this is the place where we're to take a pause. And we're a little early, so I want us to take some time to worship the Lord before I give the altar call, before I give a dismissal. Father God, I just ask at this time that you would touch our hearts. Lord, search us and know us. Is there any division in our hearts? Are we wavering? Maybe we're going back and forth on a decision because we don't know which way to go. Lord, maybe we're hobbled, we're wounded. Father, maybe we we struggle because, God, we don't know what's ahead. But, Lord, you do. And so, Lord, we're going to put our faith and our hope in you, and we're going to call on the name of the Lord. There is no other name that's greater. And you promise, Lord, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you for joining us today. If you accepted Christ, we would love for you to text the word born again, all one word, born again, to the number 94090. We would love to connect with you and talk to you about your next steps in following Christ. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.